welcome to the In Contention Podcast. This is Sam Stoddard, your host with Matt Cranstuber. Hello! Top cat. <laughs> and Ruben Bressler. Hello! And we have, uh, from the MTG Bridge Podcast, Jake Hal. Hey guys, what's in the cup? Yeah, that's oh, not... You don't, you don't do that here? No, we don't. Cam out. Alright, yeah, he's leaving us now. <laughs> he's, he's doing Momoto. Yeah, he's just Mono Dailies, so... That's all that happens. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us tonight. We've got a good show for you. Got lots to talk about. Well, why don't we uh, get right into the hashtags? Uh, top one we were going to talk about last week. We did not talk about uh, hashtag job security. Uh, then we have GP Hoth with a few subcategories under there. Then we have Ohio Magic Weekend, and then one of my favorite subcategories ever, Cranny Logistics, which yep. we were just talking about. Uh, then we have the Banhammer, so series bannings that's uh, happened in the magic community uh-huh. here in so, the recent days. I know that we've all been calling them bannings. The heck, when they're suspensions? Suspensions, that's fine. Suspension that's fine. hammer doesn't sound as good. Yeah. It's like a suspension. We call it suspension, suspension bridge. Side. Suspension sure. bridge? But we have a bridge member in the... Does that work? No. Yeah, yeah, that's just... And our last two uh, tags, GP Baltimore, and then our good friend, J. Cal. So, why don't we... Uh, Dig right in. Uh, Ruben, I want you to talk about job security a little bit because right. so, this is, this is your, your tag from last week. Right. A couple weeks ago, they, we were talking about, um, well, I'm, I'm obviously the third wheel on the podcast. Like, uh, yes, we've talked about no, yeah, this obviously. is well-established. It's well-established that I'm expendable. <laughs> no. So, uh, but we were talking about it because you guys did the, uh, the 8-bit in contention yeah. uh, video game podcast where Leah was the third wheel sure. on that podcast. And so we were talking about uh, basically the job security of, of uh, well, my job security, but more, <laughs> more in, in, a, in a wider sense, the, uh, the future of third wheels on this podcast. Well, um, you know, we've, got a, we've received a lot of really good feedback on that podcast. Yeah. Um, I think it obviously plucks at the heartstrings a lot of Magic players, uh, being that we came from a generation of playing a bunch of RPGs, which is what we mostly talked about at 8-Bit. But, um, man, I mean, I, I don't think we've ever had, like, a, a such a... You know, we get a lot of listeners, but not so many people like, hey, well, listen to it, and now I'm playing this game. You know, right. you know we talk about a deck, we don't, you don't, we don't typically get a lot of people say, hey, you talked about Mono Black. We get 10 people writing, like, hey, well, I just decided I want to play Mono Black now. So that was kind of cool, hearing people say, hey, well, I, I never played Xeno Gears, or I never played... You know, whatever game we talked about, and, and they're deciding to play it. So I, I think awesome. um, we will definitely do more of those. Um, we don't even necessarily need to just do video games. My, my only off-limits uh, uh, topics would be, like, politics or, right. you know, the, just, like, awful things that I don't like to talk about regularly. But, you know, you guys uh, probably have topics that I could be the third wheel on, I'm sure. Um, like and writing. Writing, sure. Anything involving intelligence, okay. really, right. or, you know, saying words correctly. And putting them in the correct order, yeah. If we had an entire segment on nothing but saying words correctly, <laughs> you would be the third wheel. No, not you even would close. be the third wheels. Oh, saying words correctly. Okay, so, yeah. yeah. So, uh... I'm understanding sentences. <laughs> uh, yeah, I used... Pro- I, I trolled them earlier, and I used ch- uh, child progeny yeah. instead of progeny. So, yeah. And then I, I, I realized that I immediately had to correct it, because otherwise... Like, it would look like I was. Just an idiot. Yeah. You're just an idiot. So, whatever. I probably am. But, uh, all right. So, let's talk about GP Hoth. So, 
Um, the pros were tweeting last weekend, which was this GP that happened in Nebraska. Right, in Lincoln. Lincoln, Nebraska. In which February. Is in February, a giant wasteland, which if, you, if you've never seen Star Wars, then I, I honestly don't know why you're listening to us, but right. uh, that would be surprising, I should say. But uh, the planet Hoth was a, a basically a was the giant... base and yeah. Is a winter planet. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Nebraska in February is not known it's for its lush planet. vegetation. Right. Um, so anyway, that so happened. LSV made a joke about it in his in one tweet, and then it became the unofficial hashtag of the tournament. Which is cool. Did Which any wizards? Awesome. Did any wizards people call it Chippewa? I don't believe they did. I, That'd have been I don't cool. think official wizards people did. They probably can, maybe copyright thing. It's or possible that Brian David Marshall did, but I'd have to go look yeah. at the. Old I mean, it's just it, it it's it seems to me it'd be against their whole philosophy. Yeah, because right? it's kind of making fun of. Lincoln, Nebraska, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. And that's not, you know, you don't host a tournament and make fun of the people there the entire tournament. No. You can go to a tournament and make fun of the location, but you don't host it and make fun of the location. You might go in hindsight, you know, like, you know, hindsight, maybe that was, you know, but nothing bad happened. Like, if this was Grand Prix Hoff and there was an actual snowstorm of, like, seven feet of snow and people were snowed in (laughs) and there was cannibalism, they go, might go, you know what, in hindsight, maybe we should have done that in April. And like, yeah, we should have got a bunch of Bantha sleeping bags. Right, Tauntauns. Oh, Tauntauns, sorry. What's a Bantha? A Bantha? Yeah. The Bantha tracks are the uh, things that they it's, follow on in the first movie. It looks like a woolly mammoth, but it has giant, like, circular tusks, like, like, yeah. uh, like Leah's, uh, it's the thing oh, the sand yeah, yeah, yeah. like, head buns. Right. Yeah. So, so what, do you, do you know that they have the Tauntaun sleeping bag, though, yes. right? Yeah. Which is awesome. Which is the coolest so They did that as, uh, I think it was, um, Think Geek or someone did yeah. that as a, uh, April Fool's thing. And, wow. and, it, and, it, it was, and it's got a hundred pre-orders for it? Yeah. Well, no, because they don't, like, you couldn't actually pre-order it and be like, I for fools or whatever. Yeah. But there was such a demand for it that Lucas felt, Lucas, uh, felt like, okay, it. Wow. Unbelievable. Awesome. So, um, Modern was the format this last weekend, and uh, we, we've been talking a lot off the cast about this top eight. Very, very cool top eight. Super right. diverse. Top eight was, was six, six archetypes. It was two affinities, which were somewhat different. Two Juns, which were very different. Mm. Um, Tron, blue-white Tron, point for Ruben, call him that one, <laughs> uh, a Maliripod deck, mm-hmm. and a mono-blue fairies deck, and then the winner mm-hmm. was Agrolome. Woo! Point for Crane. Point for Crane. So there were, th- what I, I mean, it's very interesting to me, first of all, that there were three red-green-black decks, and they were all pretty different from each other. Yeah. Obviously, the Agrolome is way different from sure, the other two, sure. but even the two Jun decks were different, like... One of them had main deck Jun Charms, uh, and one of them had, was way more uh, reliant on Kitchen Finks uh, as their three drop. So, like, I just, you know, and the two affinities were slightly different. Um, uh, Mary Jacobson's list was much more traditional, sort of red robots mm-hmm. uh, list, and the other affinity list was uh, Steel, she- Steel Shaper's Gift. List, which is a card that hadn't really found its place in any format until modern, right? Right. Because it could go get it was it was four four more cranial platings. So let's split this in two directions because we want to talk. You you touched on two subjects in one affinity, uh-huh. and then Mary Jacobson uh, being uh, she, a woman who top eight the GP, right. which I know that you want to talk about in a minute. But let's let's talk about the uh, deck names, um, right? That I th- we we were we just had dinner and we were kind of talking about this. Um, Affinity as a deck name is is not descriptive of what the deck is sure. because there are no more there, cards yeah, than Affinity. Even though they are legal, 
The deck no longer plays any of their any cards. So, so no Thought Cast, right, no, no Frogmite, Frogmite, no Mirror Enforcer. So it really should just be called Modular, if anything. That's the only remaining right. remaining mechanic left in that deck. And even still, many decks aren't even running the full four. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. They, that, I think you had two, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and uh, Wizards has been sort of angrily tweeting about it for years. That people insist on calling it Affinity. Hmm. Like, you know, Legacy Affinity is Affinity. Yeah, sure, sure. Uh, modern is not. Mm-hmm. Or people were, they got really, they got really kind of like, uh, nomenclature uh, concerned when people started calling the uh, standard deck Affinity Tempered Steel. Right. And it was kind of like, what? We haven't done any, there's no standard Affinity cards for the last, you know, for X years, can right, we please right. just stop calling it Affinity? It's been seven years, right? Because that's, um, that's well, a long That's what year. I was trying to remember. I was trying to remember if there were any in, um, in the uh, Time Spiral block. Time Spiral? Oh, jeez. I, I would doubt it. They probably were so so gun-shy from that ability that they probably didn't. Oh, yeah, because they printed Storm and Buyback on a card. What, what do you want from me? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. I don't think it was the ability. I think they, they, they there might have been. I don't remember. But anyway. So they, uh, on the GG's Live cast, I don't know if it was anywhere else, but definitely on GG's Live, they were calling it uh, Artifact Aggro, which is... Stupid. That's a stupid name. That is a stupid name. I am all for calling it robots. Robots. Exactly. I like that name. I like that name a lot too. Because it goes red robots. You got you know you can you got get like white robots. You can go like uh, I don't know. Right. Like Bajun robots. All your creatures are robots. We'll get to in a second. But yeah, all your creatures are robots. All they're all all your creatures are artifact creatures. Because uh, nobody runs Disciple of the Vault anymore. Right. Um, which that card's still legal. Yeah, it's a little mine. Which is awesome. And just no one chooses to run well, it. Well, as, as it turns out, when you don't have artifact lands, yeah, it's it a lot less work, sure. So, like, yeah, the... the um, Affinity is absolutely the aggro deck of the format. I think that that's pretty well established. Yes. There weren't any other true aggro decks in the top eight. Right, and Jund is a deck that people used to think of as an aggro deck, but it's really not. It's, it's really, really a mid-range. mid-range. And even bordering on control... Like, there was have, an Olivia Valderon in one of the Jun decks. Yeah, you can have uh, a more aggro Jun deck, but, you know, that's... But you have to play stupid things like Putrid Leech. Yeah, you have to play Putrid Leech. You have to really be playing four Blightnings. Right. And like, no one's... Yeah, Blightning wasn't even that uh, good in the Jun decks. Like, they were only running two, right? I think. Yeah. I mean, now that they're running, like, Liliana the Bale and these... You have, like, all your removals, like, two and three mana... It, it doesn't play out like an aggro deck does. Aggro wants one mana removal spells, maybe two, if they even are going to have a second set of removal spells. Right. Equipment, Anthem effects, whatever, uh, more disruption. Instead of just having Thoughtseize and Inquisition, you're, you're trying to apply pressure in a, in a little bit different way. Temple counters might be an example of, like, you know, you're playing a, a more temple-oriented deck. Uh, but this one really is, a, you know, a big clunky mid-range deck through and through. Right. Actually, they both, they're both fairly similar uh, just different different numbers. Obviously, that one deck having Jun Charm was huge. Right. Pretty good metagame call because that actually solves some of the problems that that deck has. Yeah. Um, you know, one being that it just can't beat the Storm decks. Like, I don't think it has a good matchup against Storm at all. I mean, you can you can spot the the Thought Seasons and Inquisitions all day, but if you haven't killed your opponent by the time they have, you know, Pass and Flames. Yeah, the yeah. Pass and Flames. Then so in response dead. to Pass and Flames, you just Jun Charm them, which yeah, is awesome. The, yeah. And it's also, Gem Charm's also an answer to Affinity most of the time, because you can instant speed kill their Inkmoth Nexus or whatever has a plating on it. Yeah. Uh, it can randomly make a dude of yours big if you really wanted to, like your Kitchen Finks dies and you can put more counters on it. 
Uh, it's a game more life against other aggro decks, and you know, like that that card does a lot. I mean, people were were playing in standard jund in sideboards, and then every once in a while with main deck play, but yeah. it's not really that that good in, in main deck play because the graveyard wasn't as big of a deal. Well, it's weird because it's like it's one of those cards that it's never a great card. Like, there's never a point where you're just like, where jund charm is charm is the best card for any situation. But it just deals with a couple different situations just well enough. Not like Bant Charm. Bant Charm's way more proactive. Bant Charm is like the business. Yeah, because well, Bant, well, Bant Charm it, it gets you in situations where you're just like, A, if they have a, a guy, I can just kill it. Mm-hmm. Artifact is usually much less relevant, though occasionally, you know, you're right, just like... Take out their Vidalcan Shackles or something. Yeah, their Shackles, take out their, um, you know, one, yeah, their Batter Skull, something like that. Or you're just like, well, I, I'm, I'm free to like... Pump this guy up because I can counter whatever yeah, they play. Your path, right. Whatever. So I right. I mean, like it's and, yeah. because like it it it, can, it puts you in situations where you're just like, man, if I just had a band charm, like my my life would be so good if I had a band charm. So interesting stat. Uh, we talked about this a long time ago, four or five episodes ago on the cast about um, what we thought the modern format might look like. How many uh, specifically related to how many snapcasters there might be in in upcoming top eights. This one's pretty interesting. How many Snapcasters are in the top eight of this tournament? Right, quick, think. Zero. 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 Even even the blue deck. Right, that, even the deck that, that ran 18 islands. Yeah. Was not running. With the huge potential to, to run it, maybe not to, to great value, you know, right. but able to, to run it does not. In fact, total opposite of what we had last year, we have 12 copies of Dark Confidant in our top eight. Yeah. So black is back. Yes. You know, black is... Back on the radar, obviously uh, fueled by John being a very good deck. Uh, you know, I would say that that is a deck to beat. And then seeing the new Agar Loam deck right. with you know Bob and it and alongside Tarmogoyf and Crush, was it Countryside Crusher? Countryside Crusher was another yeah. creature. Yeah. So uh, let's talk a little bit about this Agar Loam deck because I'm really excited to see this. Um, most of the other lists are pretty stock. The uh, the Jun deck had again some different main deck configurations, but looks pretty stock to the to any daily list that you've seen lately. Um, but this this uh, Eglum deck is just amazing. So the mana is very similar to Jund in that it uh, it's very 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 good. Right. Um, you know, obviously you can the, cast all of your spells when you need to all cast. the time. Yeah, you don't even, have issues even though that, you have Kitchen Finks or Liliana because you're going to be as greedy as possible because there you know Blood Moon has largely fallen on a favor. The decks that were running sideboard Blood Moons like Splinter Twin like. The um, Boros, Boros uh, Affinity used to run them. I don't know if the Affinity next to the top eight were running them or not. I think Mary Jacobson's list had Blood Moon, but I'm not sure. But like I you know, uh, and uh, the Storm deck, you know, ran a lot of them. Some of them would run Blood Moon or sideboard. Well, that's you know, that's not really happening anymore. And you know, people aren't playing, uh, you know, Ghost Quarters. They're not playing uh, anything like that. So yeah, I mean, they're not you know so. You're when, not punished for being well, this, super greedy. This punished. deck is dead to Blood Moon. It has a right. one main deck forest. You know what uh, else dead to? What? Imagine Anathemance versus that deck. Yeah. It's very... Every de- every card in the deck besides forest and mountain are non-basic. Non- oh, there's one swamp, too. But, um, is Jund going to start running that card? It could. The, awesome. the interesting thing is this card... This deck isn't as dead as Jund is because they can still play their Flame Jabs. They can still, still play, play Seismic Assault. Assault. So yeah. if they get green mana, they can potentially... Life, like, yeah, still yeah. life from Loam, yeah. Still life from Loam. So the, and, and, and it's different than Legacy. Like, I remember when my opponents would play Blood Moon against me when I played Agalom and Legacy, and I'd be like, okay, fine, Mox Diamond. You know, like, 
you don't have the benefit of being able to play artifact mana. So that makes this deck a little more awkward. And probably also the reason we don't see things like Thoughts of Ruin. We don't have Terrabor in the format. Um, people aren't playing Birds of Paradise. Uh, so this is a very different configuration. So right. I'll run through the main deck numbers, and then we can talk about maybe how this deck ticks. So uh, the creature suite is Tarmogoyf, Countryside Crusher, and Confidant on fours. Right. So you can play a Crusher underneath the Blood Moon also. Yes. And of course, the, that and Tarmogoyf are the aggro portion, and it's not just control alone. Yes. Um, then uh, the then we have Flame Jabs, Inquisition Kozilek, Life from the Lone, Raven's Crime, Seismic Assault. So really trying to take advantage of the retrace mechanic, yep. uh, where we don't have cycling lands, so our lands have to become spells somehow, which that's... That's sort of how you were able to get advantage playing the old extended and legacy Eggerloam decks is that you would play, you would like cycle your cycle lands, and then anytime you could dredge when you had no cycle lands, you would just dredge life from the loam. And then your cycle lands would become the rest of your spells in your deck. They'd be Burning Wishes, Deed, Pulse, whatever configuration that you play. And so this, this version is saying, well, I'm not going to play, I'm not going to do any of that. I, my, my game A is to get a guy on the board get a life from the loam, and then start start flashing back or retracing my Raven's Crimes and Flame Jabs. And then hopefully... Uh, or, or get a Seismic Salt. Or get a Seismic Salt yeah. and just yeah. and just dome my opponent for a million. Sixia, Sixia, Sixia. And he does run three Liliana on the Veil also, which is a right. very good card in this deck right. as well. which in the penultimate game of the finals was instrumental top deck in being able to get rid of his opponent's top deck thrun. Hmm. So. What happened in the anti-penultimate game? Uh, well, in the last two turns of the game... Well, basically, the last two important turns of the game. Uh, pod player top deck Thrun played it. Only out in Magnon, in uh, Bronson Magnon's deck, is Liliana. He's got five lands in his hand, so he's dredged a lot. Right. He top decks Liliana and plays it. That's basically exactly. all that happened. So, yeah, what I was asking was what happened to the anti penultimate? Oh, the anti penultimate? Well, there were lots of anti penultimate. No, it's, that's the, the first game of the match. Oh, of the match. I thought you meant the first no, cause, match. Cause, the okay. first game of the tournament. So, so, like, yeah, well, so, so... Yeah, so... Table one. <laughs> we had some dude from St. Louis who drove up. With his... <laughs> no, there's a site I used to, to read, uh, Ain't It Cool News, that does, like, uh, movie spoilers and stuff, and they, they got a lot into doing all these sci-fi TV shows. And all they... And, like, they'd be like, this season's put another... They'd be like, you know, the finale, right? And then they were like, the penultimate episode. That was a big thing. And then it got further, where they started referring to the anti-penultimate. <laughs> and there's... It's, which is, you know, the, the show before the before right. the show that is the, the, before the final. Right. And it's like, do you really have to put... They, they would actually say, uh, spoilers for the penult- anti-penultimate episode of Lost. <laughs> and it's like... So dumb. Just say, oh, man. Uh, season's almost over. Can I just pour a little pour a little bit out from for Lost? No. I miss no, go away. No. Come on, that show was fine. All right, uh, so... <sighs> Can I pour some out? It was fine. No, that show. You're, but I, I, was the show fine, or are you willing to pour some out for it? The first two seasons were unreal. The third and fourth seasons were okay. The last seasons were necessary for my, for closure. I would have that I would have gone crazy. So fine. Anyway, whatever. You guys can shut up. So the uh, last part of this that uh, you want to talk about, Ruben. Right. You, so you did I research. I did. I, I asked. Uh, I, I tweeted at Brian David Marshall while it was happening, while the top eight was happening. Um, how many women have top aided uh, Grand Prix? And the list is very short. It's five. Uh, now that Mary Jacobson top aided with Finity. How many of those women can you name? Uh, off the top of my head, it was Mary Jacobson, Melissa Detora, 
Um, I forget the French woman's name, and I forget the other two. There's I mean, a Japanese woman. There's a well. Japanese woman as well, yeah. yeah. Um, and she made it to the finals, I think. Hmm. Um, and I, I can't remember any of their names. I'm sure we can f- find that information if we looked it up, but I honestly don't care anymore. But the point is... Were so you I you don't just, like women? Yes, <laughs> That's exactly what I'm saying. I bet you that you have a copy of that Grand Prix indie playmat. Yeah, you definitely the do. The sex life playmat? Yes. And just on your wall, and you just... Okay, so th- we won't even... We're not even hashtagging this. So, uh, in one word, describe this entire situation with the playmat uh, for the GP. Debacle. Debacle. Okay, Ruben, go. Sexy. No, okay. Nice. Um, okay. No, I'm not doing that. Um, miscommunication. What miscommunication was No, there? no, no. One word. Mine is inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree. The, the, this thing, like, and the problem is that the, the TO, ga- like, the, the artist posted the TO gave them, and it was like, uh, goblin, sexy demon, like, uh, you know, s- dragon, something else, harem, and it's like, whoa, can we figure out the word we probably should not have put in this playmat? <laughs> like, and it's, I don't, it's like, it's not like I feel that you should not be able to have a playmat that looks like this. You know, I personally think it's tacky, but whatever. Like, yes, I, it's tacky. I, I don't, I did not, like, the playmat is not a playmat I would ever use, because I think it's just, it's just over the top, and it's not really the, the image of magic that I have or I want to present. Yeah. But, you know, I, I feel that people, if they want to have this, they can have this, whatever. Well, the problem that arises from that is if you bring it to an F&M and your first-round opponent is 12. No, the, the bigger... It's pr- the it's actually it's the pr- like, the venue for which it's being handled. Right. The it's, problem it's, is just, it's just a poor, poor decision. The problem is also that, you know, I don't know how uncomfortable a woman would feel seeing this and seeing their opponent playing with it. I, But, like, right, it... You know, I, it definitely is not something that I would want to throw. Have the general public all be playing on them yeah. at one event? Were you giving them out? And it's like you have to understand that you know there even card like, there are card arts in Magic that you would not want to give out as Grand Prix play match right. because it's like Earthbind comes to no, mind. but even more recent stuff. The stuff that's just like incredibly gruesome stuff. That's like just a lot of the Innistrad arts. Like, oh yeah, a lot of well, stuff from like New Phyrexia where there's just like a lot of like you know very violent stuff going on. You know what? That probably is not the right thing to put on a playmat. You know, you can have action on it, but you don't want to have just gallons of blood gushing out because that's just not what you want to do to like promote your game. Is have like look at this card where there's just like entrails from end to end. Well, yeah. it, and it's it's kind of funny because we're we're in a totally different day. Like I don't know if you remember, um, you know, I, actually we should all remember because we've been playing so long that you know cards like unholy strength were originally printed with a flaming pentagram in the background, yeah. and then were retemplated. I shouldn't say retemplated. The art was re uh, remastered to take that out, and so it's just a picture of a guy like sort of like yawning, like stretching, like <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, I guess I'll get strong now. And um, you know, so there was a big push back in the '90s to kind of take that out of Magic. I mean, even even um, now, this is more like on a cultural level. Um, but Chinese magic cards don't depict skeletons, skeletons right. and other and other things. Scantily clad women is one of them too. Where if you look at the picture of some cards where it used to have like a, a you know a busty angel or something, it's now like a much more modest. Um, you know, a starlet angel is I think the the best example of this where they they redid the art. Actually, the the new art and the Chinese version is beautiful. 
but uh, it, it actually created kind of this weird, um, it's not really a misprint, but it's a rarity. Mm-hmm. And those those copies of those angels go for like three to $400 because they're so rare. Um, wow. Because they're only open in simplified Chinese uh, portal, which is like, how many, yeah, how many, how many of that do you have going around? So, um, you know, so now we're, now we're in a day where like, you know, the internet's been around for a long time. If you are, if you spend an hour on the internet, you can desensitize yourself to 98% of what you see on TV. Uh, right. definitely what you'll see in a car. Well, it's not, it's not just <clears throat> a person. No, no, no. Well, let me finish my thought here. I was just going to say that like, I, I, I think that I can relate to most of the people that saw just like, well, you know, okay, you're spending a lot of time like spending the effort on this when, you know, even back in the day when it was like a problem, it, I mean, we're talking about the difference between flaming pentagrams and like harems. There's no difference. It's been happening like this whole time. Um, the fact that wizards take a stance against this stuff, which they do. If somebody came out and said, we don't want to see bloody guts, you know, it depends on, on, you know, to what end. Like, if you put shredded teeth on a map, or whatever that card is. From pulling teeth? Pulling teeth? Yeah. You put that on a play <clears> mat, <throat> like, you know. People aren't going to want it. Yeah, United sure. Dental Association, you know, protests But, it, but it. it's not a matter of, offend, of necessarily of offending people as much uh, if for is a card like that. For a card like that, I don't think it's a matter of offending people as much as just like, this, oh, okay. is, this is not the image you want to present in your but game. But that's what I mean. Like, is it is it not offensive, like, for that reason? Like, do you, could you put a flaming pentagram on it? Like, could you put some of the art on some of the cards that we've seen in the last two or three years on a playmat and have it be okay. No, I think there are definitely arts that you would not want on playmats because they, well, you know, well, yes, uh, I think most of the magic art now, ha- there's much less of that, that that goes to the art department and comes out and you go, oh, yeah, you wouldn't want that on a playmat. But there probably is still some of it. Like, we've already talked about the, uh, what's the name of that artist? Um... The guy who did, like, Skulking Ghost and... Robert Bliss. Robert Bliss. Uh, you know, Skulking Ghost and, like, all those things. And being like, yeah, yeah, you know, if they did those... T- like, those would not get through the art department today. Someone no. would go, no, this this is a little phallic. We're not putting this on a card. And, you know, there, but there are... You're right, there are cards where stuff's going on. They go, yeah, that's a pretty gruesome thing. You know, have it on a card, that's fine. But we don't want every person at a, an event getting it on a playmat because, you know, it, it doesn't present the image we're trying to present in the game. Yeah. And part of it is that, you know... This is something that, you know, the playmats are supposed to pr- sort of help present the game. And you don't want to present, you know, the, the image of the, of the game to be like this image. Like, this is not, this is a single card. This is not what the game is about. So the flip side of that also that I would like to point out is <clears throat> the other playmat that yeah. is coming out at basically, would have come out at the same time that is now the only one that's coming out is the one for Nashville. No, it was. No, um, is it, was it for Lincoln? It was for Lincoln. It's for Lincoln. Was this was the squirrels attacking Ron the Spencer's, Yeah, yeah, and that thing everyone knew was going to be an instant hit, and right. there was no no controversy over it. That playmat will, I mark my words, will eclipse all of the other playmats, including Spellground, for being the most expensive playmat of all time. I'm, I'm, unless they unless they reproduce it, right? Every person that's seen that art, including me, and I do not care about playmats. I want to own it yeah. because it's so unique, right? And if you haven't seen it, it's a Ron Spencer art. So you already know it's good. Yeah. And it's a werewolf that is being attacked by a legion of squirrels. It's so cool. Like hundreds of squirrels. Okay, so thoughts on top-down designing that card into a card in a future set? I would love it. I think they should. It'd be awesome. It would also be, like, the, I think the second card ever that they uh, bought art for and then made a card out of it. That would be very cool. And I think one? players wow. would be extremely wow. happy. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, players, players would love that card. I would like to quickly go back to the original point of this conversation, hmm. which is Mar- uh, to Mary Jacobson and women. I mean, we could have just made hashtag women, I suppose, and sort of stayed on topic, but that would have seemed oddly inappropriate as well. But my point is that we've we've just had uh, our fifth, or it's either fifth or sixth woman top eight of Grand Prix. Mm-hmm. Uh, now that Steve Sadin has left Star City Games, the editor, the chief editor and copy editor at Star City Games are Lauren Lee and Caitlin Lindbergh, both mm-hmm. of whom are women and are in charge of the basically the number one website for Magic in the world. The, the number one non... Non-wizards. Yeah. 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 So... My my question is how how okay is this a is this a trend that will continue? Will we see more women top eight Grand Prix? Will we see a, a female Grand Prix winner? Will we see our first Pro Tour top eight female competitor? Yeah. Yes, soon. Yes, I, everything. I, I think we'll see a woman. Uh, I mean, obviously, you never know. Like, if you look at this surely at the ratio of men to women, yeah, like it's going to take a while. But, you know, I don't think it'll be that long before it happens, partially because there are more Grand Prix, but also because there are more and more women who are taking uh, competitive magic seriously. And, I don't, and you know, it's, it's nice to see it. It's nice that the game is evolving to the point where, uh, and the community, really, where they feel more comfortable. And you even look at Wizards, and there are a lot more women who are at high-level positions at Wizards now. Sure. Like, it is, uh, and I think that there has been made more of an effort to make the game and within both within the community and with Wizards to make it a more friendly game for all kinds of people. Like, early on in its history, it really was very much targeted at a, you know, sort of like 14 to 30-year-old demographic. Yeah. And they've, I think, both expanded it in age range, you know, male demographic originally, and they've expanded it in, 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 in age range, and they've trying to get, you know, there, there are more women who are playing the game. And, you know, I think it should be encouraged. Now, I remember back in the day, they used to have, like, women's opens and stuff at Pro Tours. They'd have, like, a side event that was, like, women-only invitational, and it was always kind of a joke because it was kind of like a... Uh, when they did, when they're doing that, it was almost like a pity thing where it was just like, oh, well, the, the girls get their own tournament. And, you know, I'm glad that they're not doing that anymore. They're, you know, they're not treating it like you need a special bracket for women at, you know, with a side event that's awesome prizes just so you can get women to play to say you had a tournament with, like, 30 women in it. Um, you know, I think that... What we're going to see over the next few years is that there's more and more women naturally picking it up, yeah. naturally coming up to the ranks, yeah. naturally, you know, and, and, you know, we have several women who are running strategy articles now. I mean, it really is expanding and becoming, uh, you know, less male-centric. Sure. Yeah. Good points. Good, all good points. So, uh, if you guys don't mind, we want to transition to our next topic here then? I mind. Please. <laughs> all right. So, uh, I also in mind. case I haven't... Uh, drilled it into our audience's head the last month and also on Twitter. I'm trying not to be too obtrusive, but we have a great weekend of magic coming up here in Columbus, Ohio, um, which is our, it's called Ohio Magic Weekend 2012. And uh, it's two PTQs, two ice, uh, Star City Games Invitational Qualifiers, uh, standard winter boxes, drafts, um, and it's also being held in hotels, so there's going to be a lot of people staying the night there that you know, be able to hang out in the, the tournament room all night and play DH and just hang out. Right, and, and you've confirmed with the tournament, with the hotel, that people can just stay there all night, right? Yeah, yeah. Pretty, basically. So, so as, long as, as long as you're respectful. Night, as long yeah. as we're respectful, yeah. So, so um, that's the, 
it's sort of co-branded. Um, it's really it's really Comic Town's event. Um, I definitely want to give huge shout out to our local gaming shop, Comic Town, and uh, and kind of the efforts that they've taken to help make this a reality. And and obviously we spent a lot of work doing this as well. We being me part of the end contention. I I spent a significant amount, and these guys are just you know they're gonna be like, have you have you ever read the Red Hen, Little Red Hen, or whatever? And like the mom goes around, she's like making bread. She's like, can you help me? Like, you know, yeah. sow the fields. And they're like, no, we don't want to. Well, can you help me grind the grain? And like, no, we don't want to. And then she finishes the bread, and she's like, look at this delicious bread. And they're like, well, we want to help you eat it. She's like, get out. <laughs> Basically. Are you so, saying that we're, we're the other animals in the Little Red Hen? Yeah. I'm definitely just going to I'm just gonna blacklist you from the event. I'm going to loan you both decks. Yeah. And then exactly. and spend the time to do that, and then I'm blacklisting. Look, I had helped promote the <laughs> No, I'm kidding. That uh, we It's been a team effort, and we're really excited to do this. But I would have helped out more if there was a profit-sharing uh, model. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, you can help me. <laughs> but, no, it's, it's going to be my, it's gonna be my uh, really debut as a... As a vending guy, so yeah. if you are listening to this, which hopefully, uh, hopefully you are listening to this, hopefully. otherwise I don't know. Well, it's this Thursday Wait. night. The event's on Saturday, so if oh. you're one of those guys that grinded as soon as we we put it up, then come out and say hi. Introduce yourself. I always say this: if you come up and, and say hi to me in an event, I'll give you Jace Rose Band. Um, you know, I've given out a lot of those in the last like three or four months. Yeah, you know, yeah. So which is kind of cool. Um, Anyway, so, uh, but, but, Ruben, I want you to touch on cranial logistics, right. because this, so this actually just had me cracking we, up. <laughs> we were, it, it, it occurred to me that Cranny's a very, um, OCD fellow. Oh, and it occurred have to, to me, say it like that. <laughs> no, I think I do have to say it like that. He's, he's very, uh, he's, he's somewhat obsessive, and a little bit compulsive, um, and a little bit disorderly. So, <laughs> he's got a little, he's got a few, like, weird quirks in his personality that make it so that him running a tournament is going to be interesting. So I have a couple of questions for you, uh, Cranny, if oh, you wow. wouldn't mind answering. <laughs> okay. Um, so we've discussed previously on the podcast that you need to have dinner at exactly 6 o'clock. <laughs> That's a true statement. Um, how do you plan on having dinner at exactly 6 o'clock <laughs> while running an event? Well, I could run it with just me and Mark's son. Um, and uh, Wait, you're not running the event though. You're running the. I'm running. Uh, well, I'll be, your, a booth. Yeah, my my booth area to sell cards to the tournament goers. Your choice is to either eat at exactly 6 p.m. or uh, watch your property. Yeah. So basically, I've hired an additional person that w- that one of his sole responsibilities no. is to go buy me food. You kidding? <laughs> not kidding. Who's uh, that? Well, Greg, he's going to be doing, like, oh, comments and comments. Okay. Uh, shout out to Greg Hannig, used to sign on Twitter. Uh, he's going to be helping us out Saturday and Sunday, helping us with singles and all that. But he doesn't know that he will be buying my meals as well. He doesn't know? No. I'm telling him when he comes over tonight. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, the other question I had was, uh, you're, as most people with OCD are, you're bad with uh, touching things. <laughs> like, in general, just any sort of touching. And... There will be many people coming up to your booth and handing you their sweaty, awful binders and fawning over and breathing on your your trade stock. And I wanted to know exactly how many gallons of Purell you bought 
in preparation. Did for you this buy weekend. one of the uh, the sixty gallon drums? And you're just going to stick your hands in there? Yeah, just crack it. No, I'm realistic. So by my side, I will have a little like you know six ounce dispenser, and then just in case, I, I'll keep in my jacket, which I keep on me at all times, a small travel size version. So. I'm well prepared for the dirtiness. So no gloves? No gloves. Um, That would be pretty weird. The gloves are off for this? Maybe I could could do it for, like, marketing, but, uh, you know. No, you could totally pull off a pair of white gloves. And, like, people could either cards. And the cufflinks? What, you have to wear the shirt with the grandpa cufflinks... Remember oh, I did the, say I was going to try dice? that. I'll, do, I'll try to So if Sunday. you wear the white gloves with the black shirt and the cufflinks, then that's just a yeah, little bit more. Someone like, gives you cards to buy, and you have white gloves on because so, you're respectful of their cards. <laughs> like back in the day, uh, before sleeves were legal, cause, like, there was a period of magic when you could not even use sleeves. Cause they were just like, oh, those are just going to get marked, and people are going to cheat with them, right? Because obviously it's not like people could just run Ice Age lands with 4th edition cards and not exactly right. tell the difference in the backs. Um, but the Japanese used to wear like driving gloves. Like or, or white gloves, uh, so that they wouldn't mess their cards up. That's awesome. Like so the cards wouldn't get grease on them. Yeah. This is also back when you know all the cards, uh, out of the main sets had white borders. And one of the best changes they ever made was getting rid of white borders because if you look through, um, like you know, I, I'm sure somebody who buys cards, you see this. When you see black border cards, you know they, they generally look okay. Yeah. Like white border cards that have ever been played are just the most disgusting yeah. and foul things. They have like because they you know. Your hands have grease on them. That's yeah. just how it is. And you shuffle them and stuff. And, the you know, if you really look very close at the borders of a lot of cards, you can see like a little bit of, like, grease accumulation and stuff. But on white borders, the borders just end up being, like, gray yeah, brown, and brown. They got speckles. Yeah. The thing, too, is that you can tell, especially, I don't know if, like, it's just more people smoked, like, ten years ago. Well, but, they did. But um, I'll buy a lot of collections that... You can tell that the person smoked. Like, if there's, like, a revised soul ring, it'll be brown, but you look at it like, this thing's near mint because they were in a smoking house. Also, I'll, I'll, if I get a, a long box, and it, you can sometimes smell the inside of it and tell where it was stored. So a lot of times I, I'll, be, I'll be careful to check the entire collection because you can smell basement um, in a long box, which is because the cards themselves are... They're cardboard. They absorb everything. Mm. Um, which also, fun fact... You, if you took like a pack of Innistrad and you you dumped a cup of water on it, you could probably shake it out and it would be it would be fine. Um, if you do that and a even a drop of water touches a card like an Urza's Legacy card or something, it, it will absorb water faster than you can pull it off of the water, uh, which is why I highly recommend perfect sleeping your stuff because you you could dump a pop and just immediately as soon as it touches the the stuff pull your pull your deck away, it'll absorb it like flash style. And, uh, and it's impossible to to to, uh, to undo. So mm-hmm. in, in, if you ever wanted to know if you could unwarp a card, I've tried every trick in the book. I've tried actually. My grandfather owns like a old book press that you used to like <laughs> to, to get the glue to stick on book bindings or whatever. And I've smashed like I, I, would, I would like a stack of fifty cards that were warped in a you know dehumidified room under one of those, and they came right back out just like mm-hmm. they were. Wow. It's just it's impossible. So. Yeah, so I'm I'm well prepared. Yeah. I've, I've really I've spent a ton of time getting ready for this, so it's just going to be awesome. But anyway, let's not harp anymore on that. Let's let's talk about a, a little more um, controversial, definitely in the the magic news this week discussion. Let's right. talk about the ban hammer or the suspension bridge or whatever the hell you want to call it. Right. So so there's a recent uh, over fifty 
suspensions issued. Seven total. Fifty-seven. Yeah. Suspensions issued this week. Uh, We saw a couple people uh, update their Facebook statuses this week. I'll say, namely, uh, Edgar Flores had mentioned that he had been suspended, which caused a bunch of other people to say, "Hey, well, let's see who else got suspended. See if we can see the reason." Right. Lo and behold, you go to the Wizards site, there is no reason. The reasons have been gone for a long time. Now, right. see, I remember the last one being Saito when I looked at it, and it did actually say what it was. So that just shows how the last time I looked at it. So that was like, what, two and a half years ago? So let's, 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 year let's, let's go through this in order of, let, let's, let's talk about each individual facet as we go. So 57 is a big number, right? Like, whenever you... Look at the... I'm not, I don't think I remember seeing 57. No, it's usually like in the 20s. Yeah. It's a lot. Um, do, do we have any idea if, they, if these are from like the same group of investigations? Is there Was there a lag in the apparently, investigations? Well, apparently what I heard is that they come in in batches. Yeah. And this just might be... I don't know exactly what. I don't know if this has been... A, if they've been like reorganizing how they do their investigations and they just have more people on it and so more people got banned. You know, if they just had time to complete more investigations or what the deal is... You know, they've been running a lot more tournaments recently. Maybe that's part right. of it. it. So do you think that it's just that there, that there are more tournaments now and those tournaments have more cameras on them, perhaps? Well, I don't think the cameras has a lot to do with it because... No, that's fine. But, and then Sheldon left. Do you think that it's possible? That uh, I, I, I mentioned him about that and someone told me that he wasn't really involved with that. So okay. they, they said that that probably was not it. Most of these suspensions are short, suspe- compared to yeah, the short. I, I would say six-month suspensions. There are... A, there are I first I only saw that, and if you look down, there's probably like 15 or so that are longer, including a couple that are like, I think uh, there's five years on there. Mm. Uh, I guess what I heard was that apparently some judges in Chile uh, got banned for uh, basically like abusing power and, mm. and, and like, uh, collu- you know, collusion or whatever. Right. But, and there's a couple other people who got banned for like a year or two for various things. But yeah, we don't know why a lot of people are banned. I don't know if it was, uh, you know, I don't know if, there was a point where they just got tired of putting it because a lot of it was just stuff you don't want to, you know. There was a period where, if you look at the the lifetime bans especially, you know, it was pretty much all fraud and assault. Yeah. And you don't want to have all these assault things just hanging around. So maybe that's why they got rid of it. I don't know. So do you think that... Okay, so now that we've... we've I guess we've sort of parsed out why there are so many. Do you think that... I guess we haven't really parsed out why there are so many. Why do you think that there are so many? Well, volume. I think it's. I think it's economy. It has to be volume. Well, I, I think more people are playing. Think about this. There are twice as many GPs as there were last year. There are Star City. There opens. are twice as many Star City opens. So there's twice as many possibilities. So if you, most of the most of the big uh, bannings, like at the store level, it's mostly stores saying like get out. Yeah. Um, not a lot of people get DQs or aren't investigations at FNMs, um, so there's not you know a big opportunity for that. I also noticed there's a lot of foreign disqualifications this time around. I mean, I just noticed it's a few. To be this time. And it, it, yeah. might, it might just be that the, they've been working on the infrastructure for catching the stuff, mm-hmm. for processing these things, and for investigations, and all of those combined has created a more efficient DCI that's better able to uh, to hand out bans. Okay. Suspensions. So the the two big American names that we saw on the list were Edgar Flores, who got three months, and Colosso Fuentes, who got six months. Now I I don't really want to. We can go. I don't think we should go into why. But no. do you think that I, I saw someone on Twitter made the comment that when you suspend someone for three to six months, it says you're being punished. 
but you should come back to the game. Sure. When you're suspended for two years, it said it says you should quit the game. Uh, do you think that's true? And not ex- And if not, what is what is three months saying as opposed well, to? Yeah, because I don't think uh, that's... For example, Alex Bertini, who was playing on the Star City circuit, like a lot of these guys. It feels a lot more like probation than banning. Okay, so here's the thing. Um, God, we see it. So here's the thing a lot. It's fine. We? It's just you. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> you love you, Simon. Just me? Yeah. <laughs> All right, so I say... So here's the thing a lot. Anyway. And I'm, and but, I'm but, apparently obsessive-compulsive, and I need to be But to be, be fair, to right. be fair, and I'm the third wheel. But to be fair, <laughs> here's the thing. Bands are partially handed out for you know for, for what you know what somebody deserved and what advantage you get. Like when you give somebody an eighteen month ban who's on the pro tour, what you're ensuring is that they fall off the train. Right. That's like you have gotten where you are based off of you know ill gotten gains, and we're going to make sure that you're off the train. And, right? and getting rid of Bertoncini for eighteen months ensured that he would not be a player in the player of the year race for Star City for two years because he'd come back halfway through the season and he wouldn't be able to go to Grand Prix for a year and a half. Right. I'm not sure how much that, that was concerned of Wizards for that Sure, one. but I'm just but saying I mean, for like Saito... It's a bigger punishment than three months. Right. For like Saito and stuff, 18, you know, if you give someone two years and they're they're off the train, or like if you give them uh, a lot of pro players, you give them a year and they're still on the train. they gotta, they got to come right back and go straight to a pro tour. Sure. Like 18 months, they're going to have to requalify. You know, and especially now you can't qualify for rating. Like you know, when Saito comes back, he's gonna have to grind it out to get back where he uh, where he was. And I think some of it too is just like, well, to to what end is the punishment? Like like, did you did you do like what you know the 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 French and take a um, you know the godbook the godbook and use it to your advantage to to win you know pro tour matches, right? right. Or did you rip an extra card off the top? And which I think, one's worse? Well, I think we're starting to see, book. like, what, yeah, I think the Godbook is, too. And and the thing is that I've, I've followed a whole string of conversations on Twitter, and people seem to think, like, well, I would rather my opponent, like, you know, have the Godbook than draw an extra card against me. And, like, to, to me, the Godbook's way worse. It's like having the final before taking the final. Like, right. you, like you broke into it's the like, teacher's office, it's got like the final what plus Jason, the answer. I mean, they, they, could, they got to know what Jason the Mind Sculptor did two weeks before everyone else. That's an extra two weeks of testing. Well, not, which doesn't Jace. Well, but, whatever. It's yeah, like yeah. having yeah. Jace the Mind Sculptor. Imagine having an extra two weeks with Jason the Mind Sculptor in testing, and it's your job. So you're no, play but, testing but, 40 hours a week. You had an extra 80 hours to test with I mean, I understand why that's worse. Right. Well, it's also because... Um, you can find out, like, if your opponent is draw is you know opening draw eighting, right? Yeah. Like that's something you can get caught in a tournament. How do you ca- if if they don't get caught if the if the the third guy or whatever some other guy who got handed the god book didn't decide to go brack an IRC, nobody finds out about it. Like that is just a, a clear advantage they have that nobody knows about. Everyone just goes, man, their decks are really refined. I wonder how that happened. Yeah. You know that that's like uh you know something that cannot be easily found out. You know, uh, when you're looking at a lot of other things, like, I, I, you know, there's a certain point where cooperation in an investigation stuff, I'm sure, helps you out a bit. Yeah. You know, like, it, you know, lying to a judge is not something you want to do. Like, that's probably going to give you a harsher penalty if you're, like, basically impeding the investigation than if, you know, something you get, like, you know, they're like, why did you do this? And you're like, yeah, so I kind of uh, thought that my opponent wouldn't notice, so I just did it. You're probably going to get a lighter suspension than someone who tries to deny it and then tries to stop it from, stop itself from getting banned. So interesting that the, 
the person who probably has the most uh, uh, press in this is Edgar Flores, just because he kind of got lumped in with the Alex Bertaccini, um, uh investigation, I should say. Like, people started talking about him. Well, yeah, Edgar's a sheet, whatever. Um, but it really brought up a, another interesting topic, which, um, you know, talks about the validity of the competition and the... The I don't know if How, rampancy is yeah. the right word. Is is the Star City Open series a world famous hive of scum and villainy? Is basically the question. And is it, it like is it actually more wild westy than PTQs, or is it just perception? I think that I, I I just tweeted one thing about this entire subject. I really don't have anything to say about individuals. I think much like in, in real life, if you if you do a crime. And, like, you're punished for it, then, like, that's enough. Like, I don't need to be like, well, look at you, you're a thief. Or, like, look at you, you're a cheater. Like, it's just not, like, if you did the time and, like, Wizards determines that three months is enough of a suspension for you, then, like, I have nothing to say. Um, so my, my thoughts on the subject are that Star City, uh, the Star City circuit is a, an amazing asset to this game. Yes. For so many reasons. I agree. And it's a shame that... Cheaters and the perception of the competition being uh, not soft or whatever, uh, but the competition being less is basically selling what is otherwise an amazing uh, opportunity for Magic as, as a game. I think the Star City Open Series definitely did a lot to. It was very important, especially to the American scene, uh, to reinvigorate legacy. Yeah. To give people who weren't able to go to a million Grand Prix here. I mean, there weren't this many Grand Prix last year who, who couldn't afford to go to every Grand Prix a chance to play Magic every weekend at a big tournament. You know, yeah. there, it wasn't possible to play eight rounds of Magic every, basically every weekend. And uh, so I think that, I mean, and also Star City is on camera a lot, and there's a lot more press. You don't actually hear about what happened at a PTQ round by round. You do at a Star City event. So I think that it's a lot of press that gives Star Cities a, a bad rap. The other thing, though, is that cheaters are going to cheat. And you have to always be mindful of that. And I think people have sort of a false sense of security when they go to an event like Star City and they see all these judges and they see all these uh, uh, things put in place to prevent cheats from happening. And then they think to themselves, well, the, all these people around, I can't possibly, you know. And, and then at their own table, they fail to call a judge. Well, yeah, and, and, and that's, you, that is huge. And you still have table judges, like, watching this stuff happen. Like, mistakes happen. Yeah. Well, the table judging has moved away from trying to... To maintain the game state. Right, because that's something that... It's it's unfair to pre- to put that on judges' shoulders. Because first of all, because players were getting sloppy because the judge would, would catch it. Huh. And also, then you get into problems where, like, at... Um, uh, when this was a big part of the policy, this was at uh, Pro Tour LA 05, when um, a table judge... Mistake essentially uh, put um, Billy Moreno in the top four as opposed to uh, Star Wars Kid. Mm. Because what happened was that um, uh, Billy Moreno, who you know, uh, you know, obviously works for Wizards R and D now, not known for his amazing technical play. Yeah. He made you know he's very well known for mistapping lands for. You know, attacking his two three two three into his opponent's three three. He's also Just, a notable beardsman. He is a very notable beardsman, and things like that. And he made a mistake where his opponent had, was playing heartbeat. And his opponent he's playing psychotog, uh, the mad dog deck. His opponent had, plays like plays at a heartbeat. Says go. Uh, Billy does something and passes, and his opponent's like, "Well, you burn for two or whatever. You burn for some mana because he had tapped more lands and he needed to cast psychotog." 
And he's like, uh, the table judge let him back up to his main phase so he didn't have to take the mana burn, and he cast a naturalize on uh, the, um, the harpy to spring. Mm-hmm. Well, the problem was that, okay, he should not have let him back up, first of all. And he didn't have, there's no way he could have produced green mana with the way he tapped his lands mm-hmm. to do that to begin with. And so the table judge both let him back up and then let him produce the wrong mana. So, you know, that, and that error caused, you know, then Sarwars could lost where he would, if he would have been able to just go off the next turn. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, that, that is a huge problem. Like that, you know, that was decided, you know, not by necessarily by the game, but by the way the judge resolved the problem that if, you know, the, the table judge had not been there with the intention of correcting the game state constantly would not have happened. So, you know, I'm glad they've moved away from that. Uh, and you're right. There are, you know, a, a Star Street <coughs> event might have, you know, 10, 15, 20 judges on staff. But they can't go through and tell one, you know, go, oh, that guy cheated, right? They can't just, like, walk by a table and go, wait a second, I count one extra card. Yeah. Right. You do have to actually call a judge when problems happen. And I, I, I tweet about it. I, I, I think 95% of cheaters would either be banned or would stop cheating if people were to call judges regularly. Yeah, and you, it's concur. just... Uh, yeah, and, and it's this is a public service message to the magic community. Call a judge, please. Right. And that's just for anything that, that is, you think could possibly be... I, I think that I'm that something is fishy here. Right. Could, uh, judge, could I get a... Because I don't think that... I think he cast this creature earlier in the turn, and he did like eight different things since then, so I don't think that that's... Uh, that's copacetic. Right. And people feel like judge. they're being a jerk when they call a judge. And you're and it's not. not. It's, the case. Part, it's built into the game. And even if you are, you're not there to make friends. Right. And you're it's... not there, like when you're playing a match, like in between matches, you can be friends all you want. In when you are playing a match of magic, you are not there to be friends with your opponent. You are there to win the match. One of the reasons why there's less cheating on the pro tour is that the people there, a are much more accustomed to calling judges, and if something wonky happens, they're going to call a judge to get it resolved. Mm-hmm. They're not going to, opponent doesn't go, like, this has not happened on a pro tour, where you go, hey, uh, I think you have two extra cards. Yeah, I'll just concede. Okay, we'll go on to the next game. Doesn't happen on a pro tour. Right. You think we're going to have two extra cards, they try to concede. No, that, that judge, you were getting a judge there, and they're going to, they're going to resolve this. Um, because, they, you know, that guy's probably cheating. Uh, also, the judges there, of course, they're, you know, pro tours are, are basically staffed by level threes and above. There are a few people who are lower, but it's pretty much all level 3s and above. They are much more accustomed to dealing with it. And you have to know that, you know, if someone to someone to get up to level 3, they have done enough judging that they are very good at detecting when people are telling the truth, when people are lying, being able to know what, when they get into a situation, okay, there's some, you know, by just by talking to these people, they know something is up. Like, one of the great things that Sheldon could do, like, if you cheated in one of Sheldon's events and he, and he sat you down, like, you better, you know... Have you ever seen uh, Homicide: Life in the Streets? Yes. Remember the guy who was the um, like the the big homicide cop who yes. was just like yeah the, the um the, I, his name is like unpronounceable yeah Andre something uh, Andre Brower. Oh, I guess it's not that unpronounceable, is it? It's it's spelled weird. It's B R A U G H E R. Gotcha. But yes, uh, yeah, you know it's uh he's on Men of a Certain Age now. He is on that show. Sorry. But you know, like you know. You didn't. You did not want to get in that situation. Right. And Star City has a lot of judges, but they are not as high level, so they're not going to be as experienced with you know knowing right away. And the player base is so much less you know unable. It's, it's harder for them to like say what's going on to uh, call a judge when things are needed. You know, so that just is going to happen. I think the the the, the cheating problem is as bad, if not worse, in the, in the PTQ circuit. You just don't hear about it as much. Right. Yeah. It's not, you know, you don't hear... I think that that's really what it is, is that you have round-by-round coverage. You can, there's, there's live tweeting, there's, 
live coverage, and there isn't that. It's Pizza Q Circuit. Right. I honestly think right. And and if you if there was, I mean, there you know you would hear a lot more about all oh, this. This shooting happened in PTQ. This shooting happened in PTQ. This shooting happened in PTQ. You just don't hear about it because I know I've been to lots of PTQs where you know someone was cheating and someone got DQ'd, or there was an investigation, or you know you you know you knew someone was cheating, but like you know you could prove it or something. Right, that, that happens. That happens. I've all been the time. I've been to lots of PTQs where like I'll be playing in ra- like the last round of tournament, and someone will be like, "So did you hear about the guy that got DQ'd earlier?" And I'll be like, "What?" And I was in the room. When it happened, and I didn't hear about the player getting the cute. Whereas, if you, you know, the second it happens at a Star City event, you're like, now we know, you know, or a Grand Prix is literally on the website immediately. I think it was maybe Scotty Mac or some somebody when we were at Star City Cincy. Um, I walked into the, the tournament room and they said, Yeah, I went to play my round one opponent, and the cops came in and arrested him. Wow. <laughs> they came in and said, Sir, come with us. Welcome to Cincinnati. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Uh, last day happens at much bigger tournaments. Gen Con, we, we saw uh, officers come in and arrest a few people. But, sorry, what were you, you going to make last, last I was going to say the last point that I think that we sort of touched on at the very beginning is should the DCI go back to posting the reasons for suspensions or, at the, or, or uh, compiling histories or... At least having some more transparency. Easy, quick answer. Do not post histories. Correct. Post the reason when, when they ban. Because because we are exhibitionists by nature. Humans love to, <laughs> to watch drama. And let's be honest, like, we see a name come up, we want to know why they're banned. And that's not, doesn't make you a bad person. It right. just makes you Because whereas, no, I mean, it would take slightly more work for them to type all that up. But it's going to take way more work for me to turn into Dick Tracy for half an hour on the internet. <laughs> yeah, but that's... Going on to all of the chat rooms and being like, so why was this guy banned, you yeah. know? No, I, I, I completely agree with your decision. Like, I, I want to see those reasons why I banned, but that's just because, like, of that Schneckenfreude, whatever Schadenfreude. Schadenfreude. Because, yeah, I just, I just want to know. Yeah, but I, that doesn't make it right. Like, I think that it's probably a, bet, like, a better decision for them to not post the histories. Yeah. Or not, definitely not post the histories, but not post the, um, the reasons. Like... Then you just get into this thing where you, you're going through it and you know why someone got banned and you're just like, oh, the next time you see, like, you go to an event and they're there and you're like, oh, I, I heard you got banned for this. And yeah, it causes, it causes that, that little ambiguity could cause some trouble in and of itself. Like, I, I just don't think you want to, like, keep it like the way they did it before. I mean, as little as a year ago, we're talking, they, they said, you know, the banned for assault, banned for, you know, cheating, banned for collusion. The ones that I think the reason that they should show this are not necessarily the players, but more the TOs. The fraud. I want right. to know, did you commit tournament fraud? Should should I should as I, a... Should I actively avoid your Yeah, should I yeah. as a GP organizer be willing to invite, you know, this guy that committed tournament fraud for years and, you know, is banned from the DCI? You know, I want to know those things. Most of those, a lot of those tournament frauds are uh, lifetime. They are. Oh, they are. Because they're, you know, they involve... Making up TCI numbers, you know, yeah, registering people who have yeah, fake They're, players. You know, like, so, we get we get people. Remember, they, they got a lot of crap over the whole uh, stopping FNF or stopping um, player awards and stuff. Yeah. But like a lot of people, like there were a lot of people who were abusing player awards to sign up fake players and then get you know, yeah, all kinds big of stacks of yeah, yeah. They were getting big stacks of just random you know foils Foil and stuff. Or they were like oh they had they, there were people who had fake stores. And we're getting, F, you know, box promos and stuff. Oh, they were getting F and M promos. promos. Like 
the there were some people, and they they ended up. Uh, I think it was like seventy thousand dollars worth of fake F and M promos and stuff. Because they had a bunch, they had some fake stores. No, it's just stuff like that. I think they tell you now if they send you promos and they're like damaged or whatever, or you want to get replacements. I think you have to destroy them on camera, hmm. like PayPal style. I, I, I've seen a couple of videos where stores have said, "Look, these are my damaged cards," and they cut them in half. They so send us new ones, and then they post on the internet. That makes sense because yeah, it's you know they're very serious about right because they you know whether or not you think about it, like that's money. No. So when you have like a pack of like. 20 FNM promos, right? Yeah. Like, if those promos, if you can sell those promos on your through, you know, your site or something for five bucks each, mm-hmm. that's a hundred bucks. Yeah. So now I have to go out and buy the Chris Angel Mind Freak DVD and learn how to cut things in half on camera that no. aren't actually cut in half. This sounds like the greatest money-making scheme Isn't this ever. awesome? We probably shouldn't post this anymore now that we've come <laughs> up with it. All right, let's move on to uh, Grand Prix Baltimore. It's our last which, big uh, topic. Which uh, you shouldn't go to because Ohio Magic Weekend is this weekend. Yeah, uh, so GP Baltimore is is conflicting with our dual with the, dueling PTQs, but right. it's a totally different format. Right, it's actually, standard. a format which will be completely unrepresented this weekend is uh, in right. So Ohio Magic Weekend is two modern PTQs, a modern Star City IQ, and a Legacy Star City IQ, and uh, the the Grand Prix is standard. Right. So what? Uh, let's briefly discuss standard for a moment. Yeah, I mean the format's really cool. Um, I, you know, we we had we had worlds. I'm sorry, not worlds. I'm sorry. The last the, PT, the PT, sure. Um, where we saw a couple new decks come up. We talked about the the Esper uh, Spirit deck last right. week. We talked about the top eight. Right. We um, talked about the new. We talked about the new ramp deck, and we talked about the new Spirit deck. But the thing is that that tournament was half limited. Which well, means that the actual best overall decks might not have been particularly represented. And Patrick Chapin actually wrote an article breaking down the archetypes where, in fact, the Spirits deck was one of the top decks. But if you take out the Channel Fireball guys, Ramp did not perform well. No. Pod did. Mm-hmm. Uh, Naya and Bant Pod were the two that did the best. And Black Aggro. Yeah. The deck. Black Aggro is the one that I think we should talk about. We we saw it on it's, camera a few times this weekend. It has been doing very well on Moto. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it was tearing Kibler apart on his uh, his Twitch TV thing. Oh, he was wait, yeah, he was playing it. Yeah, yeah. And and, and the the big card out of that that I want to talk about is Skurzdag High Priest. Yeah. So so that's that that seems to be like kind of clogging up my feed lately. People talking about Skurzdag. Now, right. Kibler, he's not, he's Kibler, not the uh, next Stoneforge Mystic. Kibler nicknamed him Stoneforge Mystic because he I, makes an unde- he's a two mana one two that makes an undefeatable monster on turn three. Yeah, I'm I'm not a fan. I mean, I, I I like the card for what it does, but I don't believe that it's a Stoneforge Mystic. We're not going to be seeing twenty dollars Skurzdag high Yeah, I agree. Um, but it, I mean, it does provide the black deck a lot of things to do. I mean. We've, we've talked a lot about the mono-black aggro decks. We know that mono-black control is a pipe dream. Yeah. But, you know, decks with, with uh, Gravecrawler, Mortipod, um, Dross Messenger, and then, you know, Removal. And, I the mean, grave, the Gravecrawler Mortipod engine is very important in that deck. Um, I think that the splashes, either red for the Falconrath Aristocrat or the blue for Diagraph Captain... Um, or whatever else you want to sure, sure. But those are the two important cards for those two colors, I think. Yeah. Um, or just straight up mono black. Uh, it, I mean, it's it's a very it's definitely going to add a different wrinkle because a lot of players are like, "Ooh, I get to play with zombies. This is awesome!" And there's going to be a lot of players. And even if just sheer numbers makes it happen, 
there's going to, I guarantee there's going to be one in top eight. We know it's funny though. When we were talking about the deck a while ago, I think we said the gap was the two drop, which yes. is funny that, I mean, you know. Well, now it's got Sturz, Sturz, Mortar Pod, and, um, there's another two drop that I'm forgetting. But those are the two important ones are Mortar Pod and Skirstack High Priest. So I, I plus I, elimination, I, like, you know, go for the throats and Doom Blades. So what else? What else are we seeing that we haven't seen before? I mean, do we have five color reanimator deck. Okay, right. this is a great one. Freak so talk, ab- talk Yeah, talk about this deck a little bit. Papa's so Freak so uh, it play. It's it's actually a combination of reanimator and ramp. Mm-hmm. It plays four birds of paradise and four of the um, Avison priest. Avison sure. pilgrim. Pilgrim, sorry. Um, and then you have all kinds of cards that you have picked last in draft. Uh, <laughs> yes, it's got mulch. It has. Uh, uh, f- uh, that's a great way to describe that. That's and awesome. The, the other card, which I, name I can never remember, it's the like green two. To, you look trackers instincts. Trackers instincts. You look at the top four cards in your library. It's green and one. Green and one. Choose a creature. Yeah. Reveal them. Choose that's a creature right. from among them. And then, then it's flashback is and flashback two and a blue. Two and, a blue. Yeah. and then it play. It plays all that. Then it also plays um, <laughs> lingering souls. And you know you just basically mill your deck a bunch. Yeah, and then you play four Elish Norns, two. Inferno Titans and two Worm Coil engines. Depending on the list, some lists play you know slightly. It plays four Elish Norns though. Right, it plays four Elish Norns, which is a blow. Which turns out beats pretty much every aggro deck in the format. Turns out beats every deck in the format, (laughs) except for Blue Black Control. Yeah, Blue Black Control is actually unwinnable. But the thing about the deck is that you can sometimes just be like, put an Unburial Rites in the bin, flash it back on turn four, get an Elish Norn. Or some games you can just hard cast an Elish Norn on turn four. Yeah, that's what happened to me. I was playing it, and I'm like. I board it, you know, I, I'm playing uh, the, the Spirits deck, and I'm like, all right. So I tap out. He, he has nothing in his yard. So I'm like, all right, I tap out on turn three to cast Lingering, lingering Souls. And he's just like, and I'll hardcast Elishnorn. I'm like, oh, yeah, you can just hardcast that guy. Wow. He, uh, <laughs> oh, boy. Super awkward. Luckily, I have Fantasmal Image. Unfortunately, he had a Unbarrel Rights. Uh, I'm, a, I'm excited to see Pod kind of make rearing its head again. It was like completely off the radar. Yes. For a long time when the, well, the people, blade decks were whenever a new format happens and cards like pod exist, there is not a correct build for it. And so the decks always falter. Because the pros don't want to waste time trying to find the perfect build of a deck that will take months. And the average player is awful at doing anything, but especially figuring out forty singletons. Well, a deck like keep in mind that a deck like Pod, you need targets. Right. And guess what happens when you have a small? You don't have enough. You don't have a full uh, full number of sets. You have less targets. Right. You have less targets. Can, the you, can you imagine so how it, great it's going to be after we have M13 and the next set? Pod has to be. Well, it's not going to have the the. Um, it's not going to have Titan at the top end anymore. Yes, it will. It's good until the next until the next set. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's good until it's good um, until fall. Right, it's good until... Really? Yeah. yeah, there's an overlap of, like, uh, a couple of months where M12 and M13 are legal. Jeez. Yeah. 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 For, so very, for three months. It's very interesting so for, uh, to be So that's going to be during States? No. 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 States is the states first right after. Yeah. Okay. They used to do it. It was the last hurrah of standard. Now yes. they do it. It's the first... It's like what regionals used to be. Right. So it's very, very interesting. So you just... just so basically, the bottom line is you should play pod in every format. Oh, Yeah. Agreed. Um, I mean, we except saw Malerpod. Hashtag Infantage. What are, you, what are you playing in Pod and Legacy? We're not playing. I don't know. Just something? So you're just playing it in Modern Standard, basically. Would you get off my job? Which is every Extended. Form. Extended, yeah. Done. Dummy. And Done. Cube. And Cube. And Cube. And Cube. 
Are we drafting? Okay, so we, we talked about shagging. Okay, wait. So we talked about the coward board last week. Yeah, I came up with the best coward technology. Yeah. Anytime anybody's a coward, I'm gonna write their name on a full art uh, mortify. Nice. And basically, anytime that mortify kills a creature, a creature, we'll that creature becomes a coward. Nice. I'm just gonna actually just sharpie that creature. Can but we like, put bold war heavyweights in in your cube? And those creatures are permanently cowards. <laughs> Just so you know, I'm going to draft Mortify every time, and I'm going to hold it for the, whatever for the like, most expensive Prime card. Titan, and Mortify. Elishnorn, Mortify. <laughs> Which, by the way, if you own a cube, put Elishnorn in it. That card is good. And if you don't own an Elishnorn, get them before they're like $30 a piece. Yeah, they're already like $25. Yeah, they're, they're up really there. Yeah. Uh, so, do we have any predictions for GP Baltimore? What do we think is going to be the top eight? I mean, those decks? I've already predicted that I think that Black Aggro will be at least one. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Black Aggro is going to be three of the top eight. Woo! Now, and now that it's going to be... The, I'm, hmm. I'm including all these different types. I'm including red, black, Come on, be a man. blue, black, and mono. Come on, be a man. Just say which which version is going to top eight. I say blue, black. I think, I think that red, black... Ooh. Will I'll say red black? I'll go out on one and say red black aggro will win the tournament. Nice. So like, Falconrath Aristocrat will win the tournament. Okay, that's good prediction. I'm saying Reanimator. I I like Reanimator. I think that this is going to be a very Wolfram heavy meta. I think that people are, will continue to play it. Uh, there's just not a lot of decks that, that crush it outright. And except uh, for black aggro and Reanimator. <laughs> Well, no, I think you can tune it very easily. You well, don't yeah. have to play the the killer version that rolls to those. Right. But anyway, so um, I think that, that that's my call. So I think between those three, we're, we should be able we should have our bases. So covered. what's going to top? What's going top eight? Nothing. But, it's going to be nothing but blue humans. Obviously, nothing but yeah, nothing right. but humans making a comeback. We all, everyone thinks that 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 archetype's dead. Or bellowing tangleworm will just win. So I'm gonna pull, I'm gonna pry our friend away from uh, his moto daily here for a minute because we. We want to give him a little feature here. J-Cow, come over here. So our, our friend J-Cow is here. And, uh, of, we, of MTG Bridge, what's in the cup? Of MTG Bridge. And we, and we always beam about how much we love these guys because they, they're, they're down like an hour and a half away from us, all the Cincinnati guys. That includes all the legit guys. Like we're, we're in a really good spot for Magic the Gathering. And uh, J-Cow being on like literally my in my top three favorite podcasts, Magic-related podcasts ever, I don't uh, think magic related is a loose description. <laughs> I, don't, I don't listen to non magic related podcasts. Well, that's what I like is the way he's like magic related podcasts, as though he listens to other podcasts. Yeah. What, me? Yeah. I, I listen to a ton of other podcasts. What do you listen to? Yo, MTG Taps? No, other non magic related. Oh, uh, God. I used to listen to a couple video game remix ones, but that's it. I, I Occasionally I'll listen to some like music, like stuff uh, related to music production. So what I'm saying is, by saying my top three magical related, which you just mean his top three podcasts. Well, no, because my my favorite podcast of all time is this podcast called VG Crunch. That's number one. What's your number two? My number Everyone's one? turning off the podcast. What's, what's your number? Two, what's your number two <laughs> podcast of all time? Uh, Here's what I'm getting at. You just basically said the number three. Because you're like... So what? That's fine. You're the... You, you are... Cause you, you're just an idiot. All right, J. Cal. <laughs> All right, I'm okay with it. <laughs> so, t- so tell us tell us a little bit about your show. What do you, what do you got cooking, man? What do you um, up to these days? Uh, lately, we just kind of have not really had any topics. Um, for those of you who have not heard of our cast, um, 
We start out by drinking heavily, <laughs> and then uh, the first segment on the cast is titled What's in the Cup, where we talk about what we have been drinking for the past several hours and what we're drinking then. And then we uh, complain about whatever's going on in the magic community for like maybe five minutes. Um, <laughs> we talk about some perverse sexual exploits of some of our members. And uh, then we usually yell at each other. Somebody gets belligerent, somebody gets their feelings hurt. And nice. Pete makes some puns. I mean, I think it's. Sounds like Christmas dinner at my house. Yeah. Nice. It's basically what gamers are doing when they're not actually gaming. I think that that's a great premise. That's, that's amazing because. We, we're we're basically a PG podcast. We don't, you know, we don't take it to the next level. But as soon as the, I, mean, I was the, really surprised that I was able to get all those words out without swearing <laughs> once. <laughs> well, no, you, you, what you didn't hear is before that we had to edit you out a hundred times. Oh, that's right. For that for that part that we had to edit out. Um, it's like take twenty five. Well, no, it, that's there's something to be said for that because I I have a thing where depending on who I'm around. Like, when I'm around you, I feel like I have to just be as crazy as I can because you just bring out the worst of me. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We have, a, we have a saying about our cast. We always tell people, you say, hey, Sam Stubb, do you want to come to Indiana so uh, you can see the worst part of us? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we're, we're ta- it's in the works. We're going to be doing a possible crossover, another Inconsistent crossover episode this weekend. Yeah, on Saturday. Taylor doesn't know about it yet, but I think he'll be cool with Taylor it. Taylor can, yeah, he'll, he'll be all right. So, anyway, we want, we want to have you on, get you to plug the show, mtgbridge.com. Yeah, yeah www.mtgbridge.com. I, I just want to show you this. I'm, just, I'm pulling up my phone right now just to show you that oh, I... Oh, uh, password to get into your phone. Oh, man. No, my, own, my little only uh, bookmark that I have, MTG Bridge. I like it. So yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, that um, the Twitter account's getting used. You can follow it at the MTG Bridge. Well, that's that's it. Yeah, that's our plug. So that's basically our our shout outs condensed into one into one (laughs) area. So do we have anything else we want to add for this week? Um, we I didn't end up filming the first edition of Magic: The Newsening yet, but I will record it next week. It will be edited by next by the week by uh. early in the following. So by the time we do our next podcast, in the show notes, we will make sure we include uh, uh, some, either summary or, or link to the news thing if it's, if it's up by this. Yeah? Yes. All right. All right. Well, until next week, we're in contention.